Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown, where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes over the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music. Tall tales. True stories. And current goings on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter. And swim buck naked in summer. Welcome to episode 134 of the Brown County Hour. This is Sarah Lytle. And Dave Seastrom along with the rest of the crew. This month, our musical guest is Father Kentucky. We'll share his interview in three of his original songs. Sarah Lytle has been digging into the alpha gal situation in Brown County. And we have two interviews with locals who are suffering from this malady. Becky Ladd from the YMCA tells us about their fundraising event, the Jeep Run, and we also have essays from Rick Fettig, Jim Eagleman, and Dave Seastrom. Segment one begins with our Father Kentucky interview. Sarah Lytle has a conversation with Laura Wirt in the first of two interviews about Alpha Gal. And we'll close with the Father Kentucky tune, Passing Train. evening with a new young friend of mine, uh, Isaac Carter, and he shows up at the Brown County Inn sometimes and does the open mic night and done a couple nights by yourself, haven't you? Yeah, me and uh, me and Dave have done some as well. Yeah, uh, Dave Sisson, he was yeah. in here recently, so he's a good buddy of mm-hmm. ours. But you go as Father Kentucky. Yeah, that's what as I... As your title, and then that's how people it. look you up and all that stuff. There's a story behind that name. There is, yeah. So my family... Well, my dad's side's from Kentucky, and we'd always go visit them. And when I was little, I, I would always – I thought everybody called my grandfather Father Kentucky. Um, you know, I'd say, Dad, Mom, when are we going to see Father Kentucky? Um, so when I was trying to find a name for, you know, music, because I, I knew I didn't want to release under my own name, uh, you know, I went I went through a bunch of – whole bunch of bad names, a whole bunch of – silly names and and father kentucky came up and i was like oh that's that's why everybody called grandpa so i put a little pin in that and eventually asked my dad hey remember that thing everybody called uh called our grandpa you know what was it father kentucky he says no that was just you (laughs) (laughs) uh so at that moment i i kind of knew okay this is my thing this is my name so you sort of named yourself i guess i did yeah yes yeah well cool well, um, we've heard some songs for, from you already this evening, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd have to say they were pretty tasty, so <laughs> we enjoyed them a lot. So how long have you been playing? 
I've been playing music since I was 12. Um, so now I can say I've been playing half my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good milestone for me. Yeah. Um, uh, but did you start with the guitar or how did you? How yeah, did you... I kind of started guitar and drums around the same time, learning oh, yeah. Beatles songs. Yeah. Uh, what was the first one? It was uh, da, 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 Day Tripper. Oh, yeah. That was the first song I learned on, on guitar. <laughs> and I would you know, learn a song on guitar and then learn it on drums and just go back and forth learning right. songs. Um, and then I eventually got into metal. I was a metalhead for a little bit. Yeah. Um, this whole acoustic guitar and banjo thing didn't start until 2019. Mm-hmm. And I started writing what I'm writing now around that yeah. time. Yeah. And what was it leaned you toward the banjo, and, or who was an influence? Uh, for banjo specifically, there's this Swedish guy by the name of Tallest Man on Earth, oh, wow. um, or Christian Mattson. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's the guy that made me see that banjo can be a songwriting instrument. Right. Um, that's that's the style I play is Clawhammer. Right. Um, it just lends itself to writing songs, and yeah. it's a cool little sound that you don't get to hear often. I've always liked Clawhammer. It's quite mm-hmm. a bit different than like bluegrass, you know, right. when you're doing the rolls and all that. Mm-hmm. But you've written many songs. I and mean, what's your process in that? Uh, I have I have this cool little leather book that I try to keep track of all the songs I've written. I think I'm probably around 75 to 100 now in that range. Wow. It's a big range. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's probably closer to 60 or 50 or something. The process is really different for every song. Some start uh, just with words. You know, I do write some prose, take little bits of that and make a song out of that. Some start with melody. Some start with, you know, a banjo lick or a guitar progression. Um, it's, it's really, there's no consistent way that happens for me at least. Mm-hmm. I like to take after Jeff Tweedy a lot. Um, from Wilco. He, he, uh, he's a big songwriting inspiration for me. I try to keep an open ear for whatever is whatever can grab me and mm-hmm. whatever I can grab. That's kind of my idea. A little of it. inspiration. Mm-hmm. Inspiration, but also just consistently doing it. You're more likely to write if you have a pen in your hand. You're more likely to play yeah. guitar if you have a guitar in your hand. Well, that's true. That kind of deal, yeah. So you have any goals and aspirations? Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Make millions. <laughs> yeah, retire at uh, 26. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, right now I'm working on getting a getting like a sprinter van or some kind of conversion van. That's like my main thing I'm working towards right now. Mm-hmm. Just so I can move. I like to I like to move around. Yeah, something yeah. to live in. And then from there, I'd probably play Red Rocks. I'd say it'd probably be the next place to go, you know, yeah. <laughs> the cavern. I feel I have a lot to learn, um, so I'm trying to keep open ears and yeah. pick up what I can pick up. I've got—I'm uh, working on another another album. Yeah, you did say you had a CD. Yeah, I, I do have one album out under Father Kentucky. It's called Half to Whole. You can find that anywhere you listen to music, really. Uh you can go up to your Alexa, say, hey, Alexa, play Father Kentucky, and I will show up. Hmm. Uh, so that's pretty cool. That's the first thing my mom did really? <laughs> whenever, yeah, uh, yeah. whenever I released it. <laughs> and I've also got CDs for that as well. Yeah, and I'm, lo- I'm looking at recording my next album here pretty soon. I'm in the process of writing those songs, and I- I'm pretty excited about it because these songs that I'm working on right now, uh, I like them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's that's a good feeling. But I got my hands on this reel reel uh, that was gifted to me by Ben Fusen. So I'm probably going to be recording on that because yeah. that thing's pretty cool. 
Yeah. Well, right on. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell people how to get a hold of you? Sure. Facebook, uh, Father Kentucky. Instagram, Father.Kentucky. Yeah, you can reach me there. All right. Well, we certainly enjoyed having you in here, and I hope you had fun. I did. Thank you, Rick. Uh, enjoy seeing you at the Brown County Inn. Cigarette on the breath of a lady that is met. Forget what I pay for that regret. Another day, another hour, and my love ain't a coward. We said This is Sarah Lytle, and I am really excited and and intrigued by the topic that we'll address tonight. I'll be interviewing two different people with very different experiences. I hope you've heard of AlphaGal. If you hadn't, you're going to hear more about it. AlphaGal is a, a disease or syndrome that is the result of being bit by a lone star tick, from what we know right now, maybe others. But a lot of people cannot eat red meat or mammals of any sort. Other types of symptoms arise that make life difficult, make them change diet and activities. So first person I'd like to introduce to you is Laura Wirt. I was diagnosed. I actually got my diagnosis July 5th of 2022. And um, previously, the end of June, I started doing what I thought were hot flashes, like real deep, hot, heavy sweat flushing. Um, I had 19 in one day, and I'm going, this cannot be it. So um, I went to the local clinic here, uh, the Eagle Park in Brown County, wonderful little clinic, and ended up getting diagnosed. And she's like, you know what? I think you may have alpha-gal. And I'm like, I've heard of it before, but I was trying to ignore it because, you know, steak, oh, pork, bacon, all the good stuff. But once I was diagnosed, it it made sense. 
because I was having bloating, I was having hot flashes, I was having ocular migraines, I was having aches and pains, uh, I was having severe fatigue, brain fog, uh, acid reflux. Uh, basically, it felt like I was having fibromyalgia. And then finally, my tongue started swelling up and it hurt so bad that water even hurt to drink. And I was like, it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. And scary. So then what? So then I went down the rabbit hole and I dug in and they was like, go see an allergist. The allergist was not helpful. Um, but I ended up finding resources on my own, went to Facebook. There are groups online. There's a website for it, finding out what people do, what people don't do, what they can eat, what they can't eat. And it's a personal journey, to be very honest, because some people cannot eat any meat whatsoever. Other people can meet, uh, can eat fowl, can eat uh, seafood. I can't do red meat. I can't do pork. I can't do bison. Anything mammal. However, emu. Emu. It's a poultry. It's a bird. And 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 that's something you can eat. Mm -hmm. That's very kind of interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Is it a virus, or do we even know yet? For sure. They know what it is. I'm not sure what the exact term is, mm -hmm. but I know it. The allergy is actually a carbohydrate or sugar. Rather than a protein, because right. most allergies are proteins, but it is a carbohydrate that is in the cells of various things, uh, mostly mammals. There's also in carrageenum, which we also have as a thickener in the United States a lot. Very, very bad for us because it causes inflammation and which is has a direct link to cancer. Mm. So this is why it's very disconcerting because this allergy causes a lot of inflammation and swelling. Now that you know that this is what you're suffering from, mm -hmm. you can do well with your diet and then find that, boom, it, it happens again. Mm -hmm. How do you proceed with just navigating life? I list, I keep my ingredients for all of my foods to like five ingredients and below. If I can't read it, I can't pronounce it. I don't eat it. Uh, I keep it very simple. I try to keep it very healthy. Um, I also end up, I'm kind of terrified to go in my own yard right now, to be very honest. Uh, I, the other day I went outside and I put a cup down and I flipped it over and there was a tick on top, on the bottom of it. Something as simple as that. And it was like, oh, had a freak out. Um, but I went to a tick specialist, and she did comprehensive uh, testing mm -hmm. and beyond the, what recommended by the CDC and end up finding co-infections. And there I have five other infections that I contracted by ticks. So I am focusing on getting those removed because it's a big whirlwind cesspool of junk, and your body just can't function to heal itself. Your body is designed to heal itself, mm -hmm. but with all of this interference and all this inflammation, it can't process it properly. So I'm trying to get rid of the quick and easy ones out of my system right? so my body can do what it is programmed to do. 
Okay. So, so what I'm hoping from this is, is that we can bring to the public light how just widespread and encompassing that this can be, but then to instill more research and information on, do all ticks carry this? Is it male, female? Is it adults? Is it do they have a time frame? What does a tick nest even look like? You know, what is their season that they're out there? And, and just to, to, so we can be more informed about how to interface. We live here in Brown County mm-hmm. to be in the woods and to be in gardens and to work in our yards. So I thank you, Laura, for coming in and sharing your piece of the story. Thank you for having me. So this song, uh, right now I'm calling it The Passing Train. It's kind of a tentative title. I started writing it about two or three years ago, back when I lived in Louisville. Originally, it was about it was like the passing uh, semi-trucks that sounded like trains is when I first started writing the chorus. Um, and I finished it here just recently, and I kind of like it, so uh, I'm playing it now. <laughs> Still I'm blamed on the passing train 
And all the miles that we can't change But still I'm blamed on the falling rain Clouds all just cry the same And as I let these changes show Paradoia in my eye Full strain and we come untied And as time will surely show You can call on me whenever Well I know it's come untied I know that you got your pride Still, I'm blamed on the passing train And all the miles that we can't change Still, I'm blamed on the falling rain Clouds all just cry the same We pause for station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on Volunteer Powered Community Radio, WFHB, at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 at Ellettsville, and online at WFHB.org. Support for WFHB comes from Our Brown County, a magazine for locals and visitors featuring art, entertainment, and county characters since 1995. Printed six times a year and available online. More at OurBrownCounty.com. We'll begin segment two with a conversation about the YMCA Jeep Run fundraising event with Becky Ladd. Rick Fettig shares a few of his thoughts about work, and Brian Smiley shares his experience with AlphaGal in the second of our two-part interview. Father Kentucky closes this segment with his song, Respite of My Days. So we have Becky Ladd from the YMCA with us this evening, and she is going to talk about this exciting Jeep event that they have. Thanks for coming in, Becky. So what is this event? So this is an event. It's a Basically, it's a fundraiser, and it kind of helps to raise money for scholarships, and that is a— um, YMCA scholarships? Yeah, and that it's about, you know, keeping people healthy. And then it, it's also—some will go to help the cemetery committee. Right, the restoration group. To— keep up the restoration of a lot of these old cemetery who, but the, I know that they're going to be stationing committee workers at each of the cemeteries that we're going to be going to. 
Oh, good. So you can meet some of these feet. And you get to see the work that they do. Okay. It's kind of fascinating how they keep up. Yes, and uh, especially the headstone restoration, which mm-hmm. is remarkable. Yeah. Um, so this is a Jeep-friendly event, but not exclusive to Jeeps. You're in Jeep yeah. encouraged. Is yeah, it's right? Jeep encouraged, and it's any kind of Jeep. It doesn't have to be Wranglers. Um, you know, it can be Cherokees and be the old box-style Cherokees. You know, I mean, it's just something fun, and it's, like I said, another way to try to raise money for the Y. So the event itself is... Uh, you've got some kind of a map that goes with your ticket. Yeah. And you go from cemetery to cemetery, checking mm-hmm. all of this out. This is on uh, Mother's Day weekend. And okay. that's why we called it Mother's Day because, you know. Mother. Yeah, I get like it. I get it. It's just something fun for the community and, and, and beyond, you know. So it's a fun activity. You get to see what's happening with the cemeteries and you raise a little money for mm-hmm. the YMCA and. Also, the cemetery restoration folks. Yep, yep. How can we access this information? Do you have a phone number? So you can go to browncountyymcajeeprun.com. Okay. And um, we also... Can you register online? Yes. And then we also have QR code cards um, there at the Y that you can grab, and you can register that way, too. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing all the exciting information about this event. Yeah, everyone needs to come along and try it. It's fun. Work, work, work. Work, work, work. Remember that? Dobie Gillis and Maynard G. Krabs? Probably the first hippie. The premise, I believe, was that work was bad or hard or demanding. The Google definition, now note, None of this is necessarily negative. No bull whips for motivation. No shackles and chains to keep you in line. But work is activity toward a purpose or result. Productive and effectively efficient. Now doesn't that apply to the things that we do out of love? Get the kids to school on time and dress properly? How about having a little garden? So you can have your own homegrown tomatoes, or corn, or some green beans. That fits the definition. But do they fit our mental understanding and concept of work? When we do what we love, it doesn't carry the same struggling concept of W-O-R-K. For you math-slash-engineering types, there are people who get together, design, and build nuclear submarines. And they perfect air travel, hopefully. And they build rocket ships and satellites. How proud could you be if you were part of the team that sent an entire female team of astronauts into space? And health-oriented people? The advances that have been made in the past couple decades, how valuable are nurses, doctors, dentists, eye surgeons, you name it. How about the people who keep track of the patients and the scheduling and the billings? How about the accounting brainiacs and the people who set up the computer systems? If you enjoy an endeavor, pursue it. Something will come of it. I know a few musicians around town. They put hours and hours into practicing their craft. I'm sure there's times when they have to push themselves a bit. But they love being able to improve their craft and put that forward to an audience or in the words of a song. How about a painting artist, a sculptor, any woodworker or craftsman? What if you got called to the White House to do your specialty? Plaster repair? How about window repair these days? 
What if you were an electrician and did the wiring for the new Brown County Music Center? Wouldn't you be proud of your craft? What if you were an auto mechanic and grandma or that new young driver pulled out of your shop feeling safe and secure in their vehicles? Every skill and ability has value. Find your niche and live it to the fullest. There are family histories that need to be prolonged. Families of plumbers, electricians, landscapers, heating, roofing, drywall. Someone needs to do all of these jobs. Take pride in being the best at your craft. Work for a cause, not applause. Live to express, not to impress. Don't strive to make your presence noticed. Just make your absence felt. I saw that someplace and ripped it off. Sorry. Work should be fun. Creating something brings satisfaction, pleasure, and perfection, as does a job well done. Stephen Hawking once said, Never give up work. Work gives you meaning and purpose, and life is empty without it. This is Rick Fettig, just saying. I'd like to begin this interview with Brian Smiley, who also has AlphaGal. He was diagnosed in 2021. Some of you may know Brian from Out of the Ordinary. He's a bartender there. Um, You're also a stand-up comedian in the Bloomington area. And so, Brian, when you were first diagnosed, it was through the Brown County Health Center via a blood test, correct? That's, That's right, yeah. And they tested you for beef, pork, lamb... Yeah, yeah, those are the only ones they can test for right now. Okay. But, uh, it's all all mammals I'm allergic to. Okay. You went on the advice of a friend. It wasn't a medical person that said, go get tested for AlphaGal. Yeah, uh, I spent thousands of dollars at GI doctors getting scans and scopes and everything else like that, uh, and I'd had no luck whatsoever. And someone here in the county... Uh, had recently been diagnosed with it and said that it's a pretty simple blood test you can just go get. Mm-hmm. And so when your GI doctor found out you had alpha-gal, what did he say? He said that it was incurable. Once you have it, uh, you have it, and there's nothing that can be due to treat it. Oh, and we're finding that's not quite true. Tell us a little about your symptoms. How did you know what was amiss? Um, so in maybe late 2018 or 2019, um, I just had all kinds of abdominal discomfort from sun up to sundown every day, bloating, cramps, nausea. Uncomfortableness. Uncomfortable every day for a long time. And, and then when you started looking for um, treatments, you, you were telling me are things to do, not listening to the GI doctor that said there's nothing you can do, you have it, you got it. You told me that there was one that made you feel like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. So as we speak right now, I have three needles in my right ear, um, and I'm three weeks into this. It's an acupuncture process that's supposed to ease the symptoms. And where did you go, and how did you find out about that? So I had a friend um, do it first. I was not going to be the guinea pig, but he had alpha-gal worse than I do and has experienced uh, very good results uh, with his symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. I think it's called Raja Wellness. That's pretty fascinating. I've had acupuncture myself. It's pretty amazing how it works. I can't explain it, but it works. I couldn't explain any of the science, but it was so fun 
with her. She gave me two metal rods to hold and then put contaminants in a pewter block. And somehow, based on how much pressure she applied to my hand, she could see what I was allergic to. She explained it in great detail. Uh, that went in one ear and right out the other. Yeah, but the needles are in there the needles, still. The needles are in one ear and they are not out the other. That's correct. Okay, so um, other things that you're doing besides acupuncture. Well, Diet changes? Yeah, you have to change your diet pretty drastically. All mammals, I don't even dabble. I ate a bacon bit on accident the other day, but no red meat. I eat a lot of... Um, Fish, uh, shrimp, things like that. I can eat uh, duck, emu, ostrich are all red meats that will kind of tease you like you're eating a burger. Oh, and you mentioned a beer. There's some beers you can't drink. That is true. Uh, And and being a bartender, you would know this. Yeah, there's a couple (laughs) couple beers uh, that are brewed locally here that I've had plenty of in the past. uh, And... I don't know if there's animal products in them or what, but I've had my, my throat close up. I'll get red and itchy in the face, short of breath. And I don't know how I could say that's an alpha-gal symptom, but it never happened before. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I've got friends that are experiencing yeah. similar issues. And, and you mentioned some other changes you have to make on lifestyle changes. Yeah, so I like to be outdoors a lot, uh, camping, hunting mushrooms, things like that. No hunting mushrooms this year? I don't think I'm going to go out for yeah. the first time in 15 years, wow. which is... That's a hard hit. <laughs> it's a shame, yeah. Hopefully I've got some good friends out there listening. Yeah, uh, yeah. Send them to <laughs> Brian them to at the Brian Ordinary. At the ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a young son that you carry around in a pack. I do. Uh, he's very fair-skinned, and so, you know, they're, we could see them on him, but uh, trying to be very precautious not to have him get the same set of issues. And I was thinking, you know, possums are marsupials, and possums eat ticks, and they like packs and pouches. So maybe you could get a little trained possum to carry around with you when you have your son out in the woods. A possum pouch in my baby pack. That's actually a really good idea. I think I, it's a good side hustle for you, Brian. I don't, I don't it know. It could be the Brian Smiley possum in a pouch. I don't know who wouldn't have a possum on a leash, really. That's a great idea. Time is ticking <laughs> away. Order yours today. You are uh, just a, such an advocate, and you really want to let people know and tell people about this and take precautions. So what precautions are you taking? What? Um, well, I'm turning into a bit more of an endorsman, which mm-hmm. is not a precaution, but it's uh, it's just the way it is right now. There are regular, like, bug sprays didn't seem to work super well, like Cutter and Off and the name brands. There is a bug spray out now that has a chemical, I think, called picaridin recipe for ticks essentially right right. so this is all due to this tiny little thing called the lone star tick i want to thank everybody for listening in and um i want to thank you brian for coming thank you sarah and taking your time and, and helping spread the word about it i hope you can make it to may 17 at the library at six o'clock is going to be an open Q&A, and people can just come and share and talk about their experiences. Great. Yeah, I'll, I yeah. will be there. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. Thank you. So uh, this is this next song is called Respite of My Day, and uh, it's the first banjo tune I wrote.
when I was learning how to play Clawhammer, and I stuck it at the end of my album. And uh, it's just it's just a little little gem of mine. It's it's probably the happiest song I have. Everybody needs a happy song. Graceless hooray And when I fall All the angels will sing If only he knew What there is to gain If only he knew How to live his own name How to live by his own name But I'm the sinking of the ship Before you go I've come to know is all I really hold is all I've come to endure to be the respite of my day I'm swallowed up in my ways and I'm gone but if you're close enough to hear then I'm right where I belong and all the while I'm chasing the sun No more nights in fear of what the hell could go wrong What the hell can go wrong But I'm the sinking of the ship before the storm And all I've come to know Is all I really hold Is all I've come to endure be the respite of my day And once I can't believe I promise to be as free as I claim to be But these hours disappear and I'm all I see They made fools of us all They made fools of us all And I'm the healing in the heartache when you grow And all I've come to know Is all I really hold Is all I've come to know To be the respite of my day pause for station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on Volunteer Powered Community Radio, WFHB at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 at Ellettsville, 
and online at wfhb.org. Support for the Brown County Hour comes from listeners like you and the support of the Brown County Inn, a family-friendly getaway destination located in Nashville, Indiana, offering locally sourced food, drinks, and live entertainment with banquet space, indoor-outdoor pool, miniature golf, and more. Information and booking available at browncountyinn.com. We begin our final segment with Jim Eagleman's essay on spring phenology calendar. Dave Seastrom has a few words about gardening, and we'll close the show with Father Kentucky's song, Beautiful Remorse. Well, it's spring, and spring has sprung. The grass has riz. I wonder where the flowers is, and all that. If you're like me, you tend to gauge your activities in reference to the weather, what it's doing outside, and plan accordingly. Tying your personal events as they relate to what's happening in the natural world isn't such a bad thing. I'm sure construction and highway workers do it, farmers and anyone working with the outdoors. They may or may not refer to a calendar I found pretty handy to tell me what to expect. It's called a phenology calendar and records natural events like trees blooming and birds returning as it has over the years. This is a tried-and-true reference we go to, for example, to tell us to look for red buds in bloom around the middle of April, or the blue-gray gnatcatcher to begin its nest-building about the same time. So, to prep for this tiny insect-eater that flits about in the high treetops, we gathered some discarded wool for an old sweater and placed it in a suet feeder for the bird to pick and use. Watching the bird take strips of fabric from the feeder allows us to follow it to the tree, where it is possibly chosen to build its nest, an almost a hummingbird-like tiny nest. I say possibly, since we read that the blue-gray gnatcatcher tries several times in several different trees to build its nest, only to move to another site, sometimes the same day. This hesitancy to build one nest and stay loyal to that site is also true of bluebirds that you may have noticed. They seem reluctant to stay at one nest. We've watched them choose several likely homes, some holes in trees, some in boxes we'd installed, only to depart and leave the area for a few days at a time, then to return, we think, maybe a bit more determined and get serious with nest building? Nope. More searching for the perfect place. The advantage of referring to the phenology calendar is that it can document trends, weather, and possibly a change in the redistribution and range of plants and animals that tells you from year to year, are there differences now? Are things changing or staying the same? Well, as suspected, things are changing. We see blooming times occurring earlier. Bird migration, not always in the same week or weeks as years past, and a general warming of the area of maybe one to two degrees, say over 20 to 30 years, this may not seem a lot, as we've heard the scientists tell us. And can't things adapt to this slight increase in temperature over time? Temperature change, even a slight variation, can have major effects on plant and animal life. As warming temperatures continue, we see exposed glacier fields. For example, now where ice several meters thick used to exist, the melting adding to erosion down the mountainous slope which adds to flood danger in lower altitudes. These changes in other parts of the world may not concern us here in Brown County, but changes here are still being noted 
by university researchers and academics, and the phenology calendar is just one of the reference points to watch. You are not alone if you've seen even slight changes in your own yard, as we typically compare things with friends now that spring's here. Last year's celandine poppy, for example, in our woodland garden, it's a yellow flower with variegated watermarked leaves, was profuse, and now only a few have made an appearance. Under a thick mat of buried wet and then on the surface dry leaves, purposely blown away for a shot of sunlight to dry things out, we see more jack-in-the-pulpits now than ever spring larkspur and wild geraniums. Christmas ferns are hardy enough that they can survive transplanting from elsewhere in the woods, and they shoot up more fiddleheads each spring, more now than ever, and that adds to the cluster of those long fronds you're familiar with when you take a hike. But our own planting notes, where more mulch was added in past springs, noting the exact day when we worked, is also a helpful reference. Daily temperatures, days of rain and sunlight, whether it was warm or windy or calm or cold, these observations allow comparisons, trends to watch for, and even if extremes are tolerated by birds and animals. We often see birds in our brush piles and in a few boxes as cold temps descend in the spring, like a few nights ago. Their breeding behavior, nesting attempts, and courtship rituals, they'll just have to be temporarily suspended while a freezing rain came down and the brisk winds happened. The hummingbirds and wood thrushes are due to appear here in our Brown County woods about April 22. For the past 10 years, they both were here within a few days of each other. Migration websites and birder groups that are out every day along the migration route help confirm this, so we are better at anticipating them. And just as birders are termed environmental watchdogs, alerting us to potential threats and habitat changes, so too are plant groups that help the public appreciate and learn struggles our native trees, shrubs, and herbals experience. My guess, a phenology calendar is something these nature lovers keep handy and refer to. Hope you're out and about. Enjoy these glorious spring days. And by golly, it's a pretty good place to enjoy spring these days here in the hills of Brown. Jim Eagleman for Nature Ramblings, WFHB-FM Radio, the Brown County Hour. It's gardening time in Brown County. The unusually beautiful spring we're having is our reward for surviving another winter. Actually, this past winter wasn't nearly as bad as some as I remember. But the tricky part is not being fooled into early planting by the extended fall spring we've just gone through. Native Americans call the month of March the tricky moon. And there's a good reason for that. We went through high temperatures in the 80s to snow in one week. When it's warm like that, it's mighty tempting to break out the shovel and the hoe and get some plants in the ground. My wife and I attended one of the local farmer's markets in early April, and I watched as several customers bought tomato plants. No one wants fresh, garden-grown tomatoes more than I do. But, being a tropical plant and all, this is one crop that's best planted in mid to late May. There are early season crops that will make it through the cold. Our garlic was planted last fall and is coming along wonderfully. Likewise, the onions and salad plants are thriving. Sometimes, the hardest part of gardening is learning to suppress the urge to get going a bit too early. And I'm not the only one that's been guilty of that. Over the years, I've known a lot of good gardeners in Brown County. The best ones grew up during hard times. And for them, gardening was a necessity. 
Most of these folk passed on, and even as I continue to miss them, I remember the examples they set. My friend Dale Bond had one of the best gardens I've ever seen. He and his wife Jean had a farm on State Road 45 just outside of Bean Blossom. They tended that farm from the time Dale got back from World War II until they both passed away not so long ago. I remember stopping in to visit one day, and as I was admiring his garden, I asked Dale what was his secret to success. His philosophy was simple. Take care of the soil and do a little work every day to keep up with the weeds. Right around the corner on State Road 135, Bud Smith had what was by far the best melon patch I've ever seen. He used to pull a farm wagon up next to the highway loaded with field-ripe cantaloupe, and every year his crop would sell out as quickly as it was harvested. His melon patch was also involved in a local rite of passage. On hot summer nights, some of the more adventurous kids would sneak into Bud's field and steal a few cantaloupes. Bud was in on this, and part of the ritual was catching the boys in the act and firing a shotgun into the air as a warning. The boys knew that Bud wasn't going to shoot them, but as soon as they heard that blast, they would stead off running as fast as their feet would go, laughing all the while. I would guess that Bud didn't mind losing a few melons, and I bet he enjoyed their antics as much as the boys did. Our garden is humble in comparison to theirs but it doesn't diminish how much satisfaction it provides. It's been said there's only two things that money can't buy, and that's true love and homegrown tomatoes. The part about true love is accurate, but we're fortunate to live in an area where there are several thriving farmer's markets, and even if you're not growing them yourself, you can still get your hands on a superior homegrown tomato. During the COVID confinement, a neighbor needed work and she helped us part-time in our garden. Our friend loves flowers, and she planted several of them in the vegetable garden. This idea was foreign to me because I was stuck with the notion that vegetables belong in the vegetable garden. Likewise, flowers belong in the flower bed. This experience taught me that nothing could be further from the truth, and ever since, flowers have a place right next to the veggies in our garden. A garden is a place of tranquility. No matter what's going on in the world, vegetables don't care. Their existence is focused entirely on producing fruit and seeds without regard to anything else. Free from the concerns of the news cycle, all they need is to keep the weeds at bay, good soil, and plenty of water. This is a direct transaction, and the output of a garden is directly proportional to the work you put in it. Pooh's friend, Water Rat, was talking about boats in the original quote, but I think he would agree that nothing, absolutely nothing, is half so much worth doing as simply messing about in the garden. This is Dave Seastrom. See you next time. All right, so this next one, uh, it's called Beautiful Remorse. This is the first song I wrote where I kind of felt like a songwriter. It has all these neat little progressions that I hadn't played before, and it was cool because I found it out. <laughs> uh, this is also uh, probably the, my favorite one that I play off of my album. Um, a lot of the songs on that are uh, kind of a collection of where I've been as a songwriter over the last three years when I when I recorded it. Um, so there's some good ones. There's some ones that don't stand up to me. Um, but this one still stands up. Uh, it's called Beautiful Remorse. Mm-hmm. 
someday we're gonna bury these bones on the banks of the Ohio, the only home I've ever known. Should I ever come around the bend Would you like to make amends I'm alright if you are just a friend Given time you may fight that these wonders of mine fall into contradiction. Love my vision falling to the floor, waiting on my beautiful remorse. Thanks for tuning in to episode 134 of the Brown County Hour. This show was recorded in our studio at the History Center here in downtown Nashville and brought to you the first Sunday of every month at 9 a.m. and the following Wednesday at 6 p.m. and anytime online. Be sure to look for us on your favorite streaming services. The Brown County Hour is brought to you by a diverse group of folks who believe, now more than ever, the world is for everyone. This show was produced by Chuck Wills, Pam Rader, Rick Fettig, Vera Grubbs, Sarah Lytle, and Dave Seastrom. We would also like to thank Slats Klug for our theme music. You have been listening to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home, Brown County home.